Today on the show, we give cryptic warnings, change the future, and finally explain why we have no time to explain. You are so corny. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. And I'm Kevin. And we have some very special guests with us on this episode. I'm extremely pleased and excited to introduce Orchid and Elemist, the hosts of the Guardians of Lore podcast. How are you doing, guys? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Explain the show. I, I know you talk Destiny. We talk Destiny. We have a lot in common. But uh, for any of our listeners not familiar, what's uh, what's Guardians of Lore all about? Guardians of Lore is a lore podcast where Elemist and I talk about um, the actual lore books themselves. So he and I trade off actually reading the lore entries, kind of like a book club podcast. Very if nice. that makes sense. So we'll read them and then we'll discuss them as we go on. So. Um, our listeners can kind of go on the journey through the actual lore books with us. I love that. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a fun thing where um, sometimes we don't actually read the lore books before we do them on the podcast <laughs> because uh, I don't often I don't always <laughs> often. do my <laughs> I don't always do my homework. So I'm like, oh, this is a surprise. Two lore entries down, and he's like, how is this a surprise? If you actually, you know read the lore book you would know this because i didn't read it before we started that's why <laughs> but so it's it's a it's yeah it's a lore book club podcast that's, that's awesome. awesome that, that yeah. live off the cuff feel i like that yeah it's on, a lot on, of fun here on yeah. lore party we're very rehearsed we don't it's i, 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 I think can we, tell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your show notes are very organized <laughs> thank you we try but no, yeah, it's 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 so cool to have you guys here. I mean, you know, just talking with other Destiny nerds and Kevin and I are big fans of the game, obviously. We've done a couple episodes here so far in this season of Lore Party, and it's just a pleasure. It's it's exciting to, you know, have fellow Destiny nerds on the show and uh talk about from my opinion at least, one of the most interesting and maybe controversial and maybe just talked about characters in the Destiny lore who at least shows up in the game like they actually have a presence in the game and that is the exo stranger herself who we've come to know as elizabeth aka lc bray uh there's there's a lot to know about her uh safe to say spoiler warning for this one oh of course as always and so you meet the exo stranger for the first time on venus during one of the story missions and i i, I think it's safe to say she made an impact right away just kind of like our first impressions of her were this, you know, mysterious, enigmatic figure that, you know, we didn't know much about. Elmas, Orchid, did you guys play? I mean, I assume you played Vanilla Destiny, but tell me about your first experience with the Exo Stranger. I first played Destiny 1. I wasn't in the, I didn't play the beta. I first started playing pretty much around um, when the Taken King came out. I very much enjoyed the game and, you know, I was intrigued with the exo stranger i really liked her story 
and I wanted to know more and was very put off that we didn't get any more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> like, who is this character? What doesn't she have time to explain? Yeah, that's it, that's a good point. It made us curious and want, wanting to know more. You know, as you both pointed out, it's like, yeah, we want more, and we're a little frustrated that we don't have it. But it's also like we're on the hook now, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're along for the ride officially. And we we should probably we should probably uh, preface. You know, we we've kind of come to learn in the Destiny universe that there are multiple timelines, and you know, when you t- when you talk about timelines, everything gets kind of wonky. Everything can get little confusing but we have since learned that the exo stranger comes from an alternate timeline and so like that's important to know about her uh, that she's not just from a place that's far away she's also from a time that's far away so that that kind of informs her character that kind of gives us an understanding of this is maybe why she's kind of guarded you know and uh, keep playing her cards close to the chest because she's not only from a different place but a different time or well, she's actually from the same place, but I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Time but, travel. <laughs> yeah. But there no, that go. that was kind of our early impression of her. She kind of shows up as this, you know, aloof, not wanting to give off much information. And she almost seemed distracted when we first meet her. She's like, her mind is somewhere else, and she's talking to someone else in her in her ear and all this stuff. And yeah, of course, the iconic line. I don't even have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. Like everyone, everyone playing Destiny at that time immediately grabbed onto that. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> so it became a running gag. But we, yeah, and and Kevin, you 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 we you and I have talked about like Beyond Light, really explaining a lot and expounding on a lot. We now know that yes, the Exo Stranger comes from another time. So that's kind of important to know about her. She's just this out of order guardian that shows up out of nowhere and she guides us like with you know through the black garden and finally destroying its heart and everything because it's even the black garden in the beginning of destiny one was like they didn't know if it was real they heard of it they're like we think it's a real place we got to find it we don't know like the vanguard's out to kind of get it you know yeah that's that actually reminds me of yeah the black garden was sort of the main goal of the of vanilla destiny the first campaign uh you, you guys have probably read more of the actual lore entries than i have personally uh, what can you tell us about the black garden is there are, is there a lot of solid information about it beyond it's just a place kind of on mars but not really in the vex think it's important <laughs> what else do we know about it so the black garden itself is outside of time mm-hmm. and space um and the vex that actually worship in it are feared by other vex um like they worship the darkness that resides in the black garden and the other vex all view that as heretical and fearful so these vex are these are these vex technically not part of the main hive mind then yeah is it like a divergence i they yeah it's more like a divergent uh branch interesting and relating this to uh, to Elsie, the Exo Stranger, th- does she kind of have this knowledge from another timeline that you know she she sort of knows something that we don't about the Black Garden? And even though she's not telling us explicitly what it is, like like you've just explained, but she knows that it's trouble and sends us to destroy it. Is that like another? Is that a perspective that she has from another timeline, or is it just kind of a common sense thing like hey this black garden's trouble we should we should shut it down it is something that she gained from another timeline I, okay 
um, because she is essentially stuck in a time loop mm. and the loop like the the timeline actually ends with her ending her sister's life and then it loops whoa mm-hmm. yeah that's okay that's yeah. that's a that's that's sad. that's deep and i actually i'm learning about this for the first time right now i'll be honest with you <laughs> Yeah, every time she eventually goes and kills Anna, she gets booped back into another another timeline. Oh my god. That is like her her dark timeline essentially. Wow. Where something may be different or something might not be different, and so what can she change to try to get to like a favorable outcome? She is essentially our Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, stuck <laughs> in Groundhog Day. But the kind where she has to kill her sister. It's, it's a little darker than Groundhog Day, but it's yeah, same premise. <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, that's huge, and I really want to pull on that thread. Uh, for really quick context, though, if anyone not familiar, uh, obviously, the Bray family, very big deal. Uh, Clovis Bray I was the founder of this kind of company slash clan that created tons of Golden Age technology. Um, and you know, Elsie and her sister Anna, they were grandchildren of Clovis Bray the First. So they they kind of grew up in the shadow of this brilliant mind, and they're part of this very influential family. And yeah, that family tie is something that Elsie kind of carries with her through her time travels. And this time loop thing, I I literally did not know about. So like, you know, she she lived through the Golden Age. She lived through the collapse as an EXO. So she has that perspective of a time before the collapse that most guardians don't have. So she has all this knowledge that she's burdened with. She has this connection to her sister that she's burdened with. How exactly does she get to this place where she needs to kill her sister in this time loop? How does that happen? So, and this is all based off of the dark future lore book. Um, Essentially, Keitel, Aramis, Savathun, like all the enemy forces actually gang up on the city and wipe most of humanity. Elsie is one of the survivors. So she tries to rally the troops and she's like, all right, we need to just do something. We need to save people. So she hatches up a scheme to go after um, who is then the hive god, Eris. Eris Morn? Oh, no way. You guys are blowing my mind um, right now. I'm sorry. Like, I feel like such a noob. <laughs> Z- <laughs> Zavala gives like, and I had that same reaction. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Zavala gives this iconic like WTF <laughs> moment of Savathun was just a puppet. Wow. The real threat is Eris Morn. Wow. And Elsie and Anna and Zavala are gathering their forces to storm essentially Eris's keep. That's when Anna actually betrays Elsie. Oh, wow. And there's an actual fight between the two sisters and it ends with Elsie taking Anna's life and then it causes the loop. Wow, that is crazy. So during this loop, Elsie goes back in time to kind of our timeline or is it and that's like she's what she's trying to escape essentially it it, yeah she's she's trying to make sure that her future the dark future does not happen gotcha gotcha. which is 
which is why she interacts with our guardian the mm. way she does. I see. I see. Why not just go back in time and kill baby Eris? <laughs> like, why not? Like, I, that's what I'm. So I, I, I know a decent amount about this too. I, I it, but my, my always biggest question is why not just go kill Eris? Like, if she's going to be the problem, like get rid of the she problem. becomes a hive god, just find her before that. <laughs> But that you can't just go kill people because you there think you they're going to be a problem. I do it in the crucible all the time. Murder. But, yeah, Kevin, like, we're getting into uh, no. minority report the, territory. But guardians yeah, right? come back. But yeah, that's no, just, you can't. That's, that, that's yeah, guardians don't different. count because they that's can a just different. That's a different <laughs> show. From what from what I've read, one of the reasons why she doesn't do this, one of the reasons why she doesn't go kill Eris, is because she is constantly thinking that she can change the outcome without having to destroy people. Mm. Um, Because obviously she doesn't want to kill her own sister anyway, but also, like, she's like, well, what if I could not have to kill anybody? What if I don't have to, you know, destroy Eris? What if I don't have to, you know, kill my sister? What if I don't have to do these things? And I think that is kind of commendable as a guardian because like you yourself as a guardian are immortal. So death as a concept with you as as your relationship with death is completely different than somebody who is obviously mm-hmm. not a guardian. Yeah, it sounds like she's trying to find a better way. Just find a way to go back in time at the times where she can make a difference. Like find the points in the timeline where mm-hmm. she can make a difference and guide our guardians, the player characters in subtle ways like hey, here's how you can keep the darkness from, you know, gathering too much power or uniting and crushing us like here's how you can avert my future so it's yeah it's like not a blunt force solution it's kind of making subtle changes where she can well and and i am gonna make the the one distinction Mm -hmm. she is a guardian only in ideology right she like everything she's doing is to protect humanity and protect those that she loves but she doesn't have a Mm -hmm. ghost she doesn't channel the light she has learned how to channel stasis mm-hmm. and that's about it right all right we're going to keep this conversation going but first a quick break all right so we meet elizabeth now basically in this new beyond light stuff um but then mm-hmm. like she started using this weird ability as we all know that is super op <laughs> OPOP man like stasis is crazy and like it's really risky like she kind of even tells you she's like hey like here's the power that I have she comes she literally comes out of nowhere with this new power that's like crazy and she's like oh yeah you could do it too it's by harnessing the darkness and you're like wait what so yeah so she shows up and basically she even tells you she's like hey like you could do this too but you really got to be careful. Like she's like goes through this like CVS receipt list of like things you have to watch out for. And like as a guardian, don't do this. Side effects that, may include. And trains you. <laughs> following yeah, basically she explains like how like, you know, it kind of drives yeah. people mad at times. And we see that with, with the Elixney who harness it. Like we see them mm-hmm. go kind of mad too. So she brings like these kind of cryptic and grim warnings of her alternative or alternative all these different alternative futures and you know we see that the the guardians embrace the darkness and then they succumb Mm -hmm. to it and then they destroy humanity and then it's important that you know our guardian does not do that so she kind of 
she's even wary of us. She trusts us, but she's very wary of even us uh, using it. Yeah. Like, like, like you mentioned, Elmas, uh, Elsie has this, you know, she's not of the light. She's a guardian, kind of only an ideology, like you said, but uh, she has learned how to turn darkness against itself, so to speak, like kind of weaponize a form of darkness with this power called stasis. And yeah, like, like, like you said, Kevin, it's just, there's, it's a calculated risk. It seems like she's making where it's, if, if, if I go back in time and teach or, you know, help the guardians master stasis, you know, obviously it's risky because they're weaponizing darkness, but it could be worth it. If it means I can break this cycle, I don't have to live through this future of killing my sister and watching humanity die off basically like it's it's that gamble it it seems like you know worth the risk to her though and on top of that i mean she actually knows the origin of like mm. how humanity found stasis i mean it was clovis right. that was experimenting on it <laughs> throwback to our first episode everything bad is clovis's fault basically uh, <laughs> oh my god yes yeah, I mean, I, I like this idea of Elizabeth kind of having a larger role in the future of Destiny, hopefully. I mean, I mean, she has a part to play, and I'm sure we'll, you know, other characters will take the center stage in new stories as they come out. But I like to think that, um, you know, this is indicative of Elsie will have to keep learning these lessons and taking these risks and relying on us, the players, to help her break this very tragic cycle. Do you guys think she'll probably have? a bigger role like maybe like involvement in the vanguard i mean she's already kind of interacted with them and stuff um i don't think so mm. at all and that's only because she's not a guardian if anything she's acting like the vanguard for stasis i, like I was that. about to say that uh um, essentially her heiress and uh drifter yeah essentially are the dark vanguard so we've kind of gone over who she is. Like she's a member of the Bray family, granddaughter of Clovis Bray, grandfather. You know, she's really close, closely tied with his experiments, li- quite literally becoming an exo, um, surviving the collapse. She gets to see the world in the golden age. She gets to see the city age. She then sees the fall of the city. I mean, she has all these perspectives that I would probably say quite literally nobody in the game has. Practically nobody has really seen everything that she has seen that we've interacted with currently. Um, probably aside from like the Clovis head um, who was sleeping anyway. But I just kind of think like all of these past events that she's experienced in her own timeline, but then in like all these countless other ones. I mean, this has to have you know influenced her throughout every timeline she's ever had. And she clearly harbors, you know, animosity towards her grandfather and calls, you know, all his behavior and all that stuff. Like, she really, I mean, she shits on him the entire time. She hates this guy. And it's almost like, I kind of feel like she blames him for everything. Like, not, she doesn't really blame, like, the darkness kind of she she like as like the enemy she kind of blames the reason for all of this shit happening is her grandfather's fault like it's it's his fault he's the reason why don't make his mistakes like let me help you make sure that you don't end up like him or like make stupid shit like you know mistakes like he does 
and this this comes through in some of the uh, just personal remarks she'll make throughout the game is just talking about just just kind of referring to Clovis Bray the first in passing like he didn't care about any of us like his family were employees to him and nothing more and all he cared about was his legacy like we again discussed that in the in our first episode but like I almost wonder does she blame him or resent him for making her an exo? I guess that's probably kind of a obvious answer, but like what I'm wondering is, you know, it seems to me like, like you said, Kevin, she's lived through all of this traumatic stuff, <laughs> very scarring stuff. And she wouldn't have lived through most of it unless she had become an exo back during the golden age. So it's kind of like, does she, maybe see this body as a prison i don't want to project on her too much but like i i I just have to wonder about that kind of thing like does she resent being an exo does she resent her grandfather for inventing exo technology that's some things i wonder i personally think that she would at first um by the time humanity is at war with the vex she's still got animosity towards clovis but we see that that animosity kind of melted away when dealing with a different part of Clovis. Um, Clovis won. When he became an Exo, right? Yes. Um, because of the war with the Vex, Clovis created, like, he commissioned to have his Exo body created, but without the memories of Clovis. Mm. And that was Clovis mm. one. Throughout the war with the Vex, the number like he kept getting resets and it kept like the number kept increasing until finally he was on his 43rd life and he was like reset me one more time take away all my memories and give me a different name give me the name that they they call me on the battlefield and she actually was like if she was an exo or if she was human um, she probably would have been crying at that point because she had grown so attached to this version yeah. of her grandfather. Yeah, Kevin and I, uh, yeah, talked about this a bit in the first episode. Like, it was wild for Clovis Bray to kind of give up his memories like that. Um, but, but like you've explained, I'm kind of getting a new understanding of the Clovis Banshee sort of bridge connection. I'm getting a new understanding of that. They were basically different people already to begin with, and like you explained. Elsie had this new relationship with someone she technically knew, but she was also getting to know for the first time because he had, he had become an exo. He had put himself in a synthetic Android body like she did. And they sort of bonded together through that process when they're fighting the Vex. And that's, that's crazy how like you have this acrimonious relationship with your grandfather and then he is remade. He becomes kind of a different person. And you bond with him. Like you said, like she would have been crying by the time he was rebooted for the last time because, you know, they, they grew close. It's crazy how like you can be two people in that way and how exo technology, which by the way, is only made possible through Vex technology kind of being reverse engineered. Uh, like that gives you the possibility of having two lives like that. And it gives Elsie the possibility of having that relationship with her relative that she didn't have in the first place. That's well, and, and because of, of that war, she knew how dangerous the Vex were. And in the dark future, she actually talks to Zavala and she's like, okay, so 
where did things go wrong? And he talks about, well, yeah, we, we sent some guardians into the, the black garden and they came out wrong. Like we, we just had them doing wow. reconnaissance and they, they came back just different. So taking the whole like black garden bit and she made the connection that, Oh, it's the Vex in there and her personal yeah. experiences with the Vex. And it's, it's just like, Oh, this is the next step. This is what we have to prevent. Yeah. In general, breaking the cycle of that dark future and averting that dark future and all the things that it brings, including killing her sister, like that's what drives her. And that's what we've come to understand about Elizabeth Bray, the ex of stranger. And, you know, we talked about like all these things that she's gone through since becoming an exo. It makes me wonder, quick side discussion. Uh, if given the option, just hypothetically, would you guys want to become an exo, like live forever and see the future by living through it? <laughs> or would it not be worth it, do you think? Me personally, I don't know. I honestly, like, I, I really don't know. Um, yeah. I really like food, like a lot. Like, I love food, man. So, exos still eat? Yeah, but is it the same? Like, I'm thinking, like, the Matrix. Like, how did the robots know that, you know, tasty wheats would taste like tasty Wheaties? Like, how would they know? Chicken. Why does, is that why everything tastes like chicken? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like. <laughs> the Matrix is telling me the steak is juicy. Exactly. So, I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Now, see, my thing is, my body tends to hate me a lot. So sure. I would gladly take up anybody on that offer. Just do it now. <laughs> I know waiting. <laughs> well, because like I'm I'm constantly sick. I'm constantly like having yeah, issues yeah. with body parts. So like, yeah, I would totally become an exo right now to not have to deal with all that. I get that. What what about you, Orchid? What's the what's the uh, what's the call there? I probably would because I've always wanted like a hot robot body. <laughs> <laughs> that's like always Cyberpunk. been a goal of mine because i always want like cool like blade legs or something um especially that's, that's a dream, dream. it's yeah. like cool blade legs <laughs> you know something just like really neat like that you know like run faster jump higher um you know oh, yeah. extra brain space so i can just like download more things and like have more knowledge and you know like better eyesight and it just like lots of upgrades, so probably. So, would you guys say that since Elsie is still number one, would you say that you know her entire experience, like that's got to be? I don't want to say the ultimate experience, but that's got to be like a pretty damn different experience than most exos. Yeah. Like, so she is so. not actually LC1. I thought she was LC1. No, she's LC like 851. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Explain <laughs> that. I'm confused. I thought she so, was always LC1. No, because well, so she's been in, in the, that time loop for a while, right? No, yeah. that's not even the time loop. Well, no. So in the Lament. This is before the time loop. Yeah, this is before the time loop. So in the Lament book that you can get doing the Lament quest. Um, Legacy's Lament. Yeah, thank you. Um... <laughs> There is a part where, God, I think it's entry six. There is um, a part where you can go and she's talking to Reba three, her friend, the, who she doesn't know is her friend, but Reba does know 
that she's her friend <laughs> and tries to tell Elsie to go to um to Clovis's office. And Clovis's office has this memory chip and it has all of her previous memories. And it has it's E one through eight hundred and fifty or something, or eight hundred and fifteen. And it's eight hundred and fifteen. It's eight hundred and fifteen, thank you. Yeah. And it's all of her previous memories. Wow. From all of her previous kind of like resets. Yeah. My God. Well, and so it's bank E for Elsie. One, one three, eight. through eight fifteen. Mm-hmm. Well, so then Mother of God. I mean, technically she still ha- then uh, if she because she loads all that. No. I thought she loads at least the beginning stuff. Yeah, later. But during the lore book, she doesn't. Wow. So, gotcha. um, but-, but yeah, so you can later because she she's able to collect that. Not all not all exos are able to find all of their memory chips. Yeah, but what I, what I mean is more like currently how she has done that because I remember um I don't remember what I read it in, but she loaded all of that back and then she so she technically essentially her number is is 800 was it 16 now, right? Um yeah, but she still has the collective memories of everything. Whereas current EXO don't have that, but also she has th- those amount of memories is like insane compared to most EXOs now. Do you guys think that that perspective though, like different than everybody else's? I think because she has been through time so many times and has the memory of how EXOs were created because she was in the program. Um, she's one of the very first. She's also a very special exo. Her body is not like any of the other exo bodies. It was created specifically for her and molded based on her actual body, right. unlike any other exo body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has many upgrades. Also, it it is more thick than the other exo bodies, and there is <laughs> it's got some curves there to is, it. <laughs> it's it's got oh yeah she Elsie thick. Um, <laughs> she's a real exo. She's a real exo, yeah. She's a real exo lady. Um, so there's actual in-game dialogue about that. How some of the other exos are very jealous of Elsie's um, <laughs> thick curves and why they don't have it, and she does. Who do I talk to about that upgrade? Like, exactly. Why does her body have them and ours right. doesn't? <laughs> but awesome. they, um, I think, with all of that experience, I think it's kind of a curse more than a blessing that she has yep. all of that because she has to deal with all of those memories and all of that, all, all of that perspective. So it's, if you have to deal with like that, that angle that you're looking at, instead of it being like a positive angle, it's more of like, if, if you're like filming something, it's more of like a Dutch angle. Cause you're like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, as they say, she who increaseth knowledge increaseth. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, how like we were talking about, like, how many times can you kill your sister and it be okay, even if you're not close to her? Because Elsie, yeah, really. specifically, um, she was a lot like her grandfather in as much as that she's not very sentimental. And she chooses to be very, very much more like a robot than other exos. She doesn't want to be human. So with that in mind, like, how much does she really want to, I guess, like, how like what does that perspective force on her does that make sense does she really want to save everybody or is she doing this for some personal like 
I don't know if she's doing it for a personal reason. I think she's actually just trying to like save all of humanity mm. and just like get out of it. Yeah. It's almost like a uh, grim responsibility that she doesn't yes. really feel strongly about. It's just something yeah. that she knows she has to do. It's a grim resignation that like she is the only one with the information. She's done right. it so many times. She has to be the one that does it. I did want to take a second to thank Orchid and Elmist again for joining us on this episode. Uh, it's been it's been really great having you. Uh, I've gotten an education. Uh, you, you two have enlightened me on, a, on several <laughs> things that I was clueless about. So, uh, yeah, I had a great time. And uh, please, uh, the floor is yours if you have any final thoughts or if you would just like to uh, share anything else about uh, Guardians of Lore, anything big you have coming up that uh, you want to share, and uh, how can listeners find you? Um, let's see. We just finished recording a bunch of episodes from like the newest lore books that you can finally get in game. Um, the ones we're actually starting to look backwards now because we've kind of exhausted our newest lore uh, <laughs> finally. So we're starting to look back towards like yeah, Luna's Lost nice. and things like that. So we're very excited to kind of kind of take a step back because like like we said earlier, we're kind of at that part of the season, even in our own podcast, where we can be like, okay, phew, we're finally like, we're finally at that point where we can look back and see at things that we've been wanting to do, but haven't really had the time. Um, we're also looking towards doing like a Vault of Glass episode since Vault is coming out soon. And uh, for me, that was the one. Um, that was the one raid that I've done like eighty times. I don't raid. <laughs> yeah, that was at all. Elmist is like <laughs> Elmist is the big one that raids out of the two of us. Like he's a big PVE sweat. I'm the one that does trials every weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm the lighthouse person that goes and visits the space <laughs> pigeons. He's the one that he's the one that does the raids. Does flawless on the raids. He does flawless raids. I do oh, flawless yeah. trials. The two masters <laughs> of different schools. I like it. <laughs> yeah, the, the two schools of of destiny. The two different people. Um <laughs> I don't know if running around with Fell Winters is really, you know, something to be proud of. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the game. It's a viable weapon. Until next season when they're going to nerf it into the floor, it'll be (laughs) fine. But um, anyway, so we're going to look towards doing like a big Vault of Glass episode. Um, We're hoping to have some guests on again soon. We haven't really reached out to anybody yet. But um, so like I said, it's more of a sort of a book Mm. club podcast so that's kind of what we're up to um on guardians of lore and you can find us um on twitter at guardians underscore lore and you can find me at hey it's orchid you can find alamist at i underscore am underscore alamist and you can also find all of our information and also ffc and other lore podcasts and lore people in the destiny community um at the lore network so we have a big network of lore people um, in the Destiny community, yeah. So you can look at thelorenetwork.com, um, as we say, alongside many impressive lore content creators. And you can actually find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Wherever you view your pod is what I like to say. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. And check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.